Here's what's coming up on today's show. You're living on $10,000 a month right now. Yeah. So can we recreate that between your pension, your social security, and your portfolio? And if so, that's the real number. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart and myself talking investing, finance, and retirement, and popular rules of thumb. Should we follow these is the main topic of the podcast this week. Uh, before we get into that, though, I got to ask Michael a little bit about Warren Buffett and what he's up to. First, let's say what's high. What's going on, my friend? How you doing this week? I'm doing excellent. It's August, uh, so it's still warm and looking forward to the upcoming fall. Yeah, yeah. I know we're getting close, so it'd be nice to get some temperatures down a little bit. It's been crazy hot this summer, but that's all right. Hey, speaking of hot, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on, and obviously in the financial world, and Warren Buffett and, uh, and his company, Berkshire, um, they are buying some equities and whatnot on these, this market volatility. What's your take on this? It's a Bloomberg, a lot of bees in this. There's a Bloomberg article <laughs> about Buffett and Berkshire. So what do you think? Yeah, you got Bloomberg, you got Buffett, you got Berkshire, you got the, the Triple Bs, right? That's right. I think that used to be a wrestling group, I, I believe. Was but it really? The, uh, the Triple Bs? Uh, yeah, I believe something like that. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the article, the Bloomberg article talked about, and, and really, if you think about the history of Warren Buffett for, for good and bad for individual investors, it kind of works out. So, you know, in June right. 2022 here, we had, you know, you know, which was the lowest part so far for the year in the market. And Berkshire, basically, they're sitting on a pile of over $100 billion in cash. They actually bought $3.8 billion of equities of wow. stocks in the second quarter. Now, in 2021, so you think just a year before in quarter two, they were net sellers of stocks. So remember, 2021, market was going up, everything was good, yet they were starting to sell stocks. And now here, when the bottom's falling out in June, mid-year in quarter two, now they're net buyers of stocks, you know, and it's the common sense thing, you know, common sense isn't always common practice, but buy the dip, right? So buy things when they're on sale and sell them after you've got, you know, some nice appreciation. And that's basically what he did by selling last year into a strong market, buying into a weak market. Now, that being said, you know, it's all about your timeline and your purpose too, right? They're also still sitting on over a hundred billion dollars of cash, even after these buys, so he doesn't think the lows are in. He doesn't think that, you know, the route's over. He just saw some opportunities, so took advantage of those. You know, and that's really where the timeline and purpose comes in when you kind of reflect it back to just because Warren's buying doesn't mean necessarily you are. He's buying for three, five, ten years down the road. So just make sure your portfolio is positioned for what you need today, but also kind of have a little bit of eye on the horizon just so you can take advantage of some market dips as well. Yeah, and I think that's what we see, right? When we see somebody like that taking some advantages or taking some uh, opportunities, we kind of go, hmm, maybe that's a sign we should do something as well. And so, of course, they've got <laughs> considerably more you know, resources to tap into. So it's always a good idea to make sure you're checking anything, as we always say, with your professional, your financial advisor, to make sure that you're not doing something outside of the that the plan calls for, right? Uh, and if you do want to swing for the fences sometimes, I, again, we always talk about that speculative piece, right? So that's a totally different animal, but still you want to bounce that off of your financial advisor. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because he's got a little, just a, just a few dollars, just a couple <laughs> at his disposal. So let's jump into some rules of thumb here, Mike, and talk about these a little bit. Um, these are probably a little bit more up our alley than what uh, William Buffett is up to. And many of these we've heard, uh, I think a lot of the listeners probably are going to be familiar with at least the first one and the last one. So I've, I kind of made those 
that way uh, to kind of for that familiarity piece. But then I've got a few other ones that we might not be aware of. Um, do you put any stock in rules of thumb? Is it good for just kind of dinner conversation, back of the napkin chat? Or is there any validity to using some of these within your retirement strategy? So let's jump in, tackle a few. What's the rule of 100, Mike? And can you give us your thoughts on it? Yeah, the rule of the 100 is a really good starting point when we're talking with clients, especially because a lot of people come in more over their skis, taking more risk than what they really should. And a lot of that has to do with just kind of Wall Street promoting, you know, stock only, growth only type of uh, investments. So rule of 100 is you take 100 minus your age. So let's say you are a 60 year old, right? So you're knocking on the door, retirement, getting pretty close. Just take 100 minus your age, 100 minus 60 equals 40. So the 40 is about the average amount of equity exposure you should actually have in your portfolio. Now, everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different. So some people can afford to take a little bit more risk. Maybe they're going to have 50, 60. Some people a little bit more risk averse. Maybe they're going to have 30 or 20. But it's a really good baseline to kind of start with saying, okay, let's start with around how much should you have. So it's 100 minus your age and then kind of customize it based on you. It's not uncommon for individuals, whether they're 50, 60, 70, coming in my office on a weekly basis. And when we put the rule of 100, they say, okay, I'm 60, I should have around give or take 40% and they're 80, 90% in the market. You know, they're just just way over their skis for mm -hmm. risk because this year's a great example of kind of what can go wrong if you're taking too much risk. Right. So do you kind of use that as a quick reference or is it something you think there's some good practice in place there for people? Because to that point, if you're 60 and you take, you know, the rule says take 40% risk, but maybe 40% is not right for that person, right? So is it just a kind of a good starting point and then you drill down? Oh, absolutely. You know, so it comes down to, you know, do you need income off the portfolio? Just because you're 60 doesn't mean you may not be working until 70, you know, so you really have a 10 year, a decade time horizon. So that's yeah. really where you got to customize it. It's a good starting point saying, hey, for the average person, here's about where you are. Okay. But let, let's customize it along with what you need. Gotcha. All right. Uh, the 75% rule, I think this one's also referred to, some people maybe say 80% rule, or even 85. This one kind of is a little weird because it's about the income. Uh, so what's your take on it? And give us some kind of insights to these couple numbers here. Yeah, the 75% the rule or whatever you know arbitrary percentage you want to put out there is really what percentage of your income do you need in retirement to replace from when you're working? And we actually use a, a, a lower number on that one. And what we use when we talk about income, mm -hmm. uh, we don't say, okay, you were making 100000 so now you need to make 75000 You know, that's, once again, just kind of a nice baseline kind of talking point. And, and the rationale behind it is certain things go away when you retire. So I'll give you an example for our Illinois listeners here. It's, let's say you make $100,000 a year. Okay, so what happens when you retire? Well, you're not going to be paying about 7.2% in Social Security and Medicare. So that's going to take 7200 bucks off of money that isn't going to be paid out anymore. In Illinois, they don't tax any retirement income. So that 5% you were normally paying to Pritzker in Illinois for state income tax, that's not going to be there. So that's $5,000 less in there. And then there's certain other things. Let's say you were maxing out your 401k, you're putting twenty five grand a year in there. Well, guess what? You're not going to be saving in a 401k in retirement. So now all of a sudden, we just knocked 30-something thousand dollars off of what's going to change on that same amount of income. So now if you back those things that won't exist when you're in retirement, those same expenses, those same paycheck withdrawals, now all of a sudden you say, okay, well, really, I need about sixty-five or 70000 to net out the exact same amount of money when I was making a hundred. You know, so we, a lot of times we'll do what's called a bottoms up analysis, which says, let's not, you know, let's not go do uh, this big budget and sharpen the pencil and find where every penny's going. 
how much is your net paycheck when you get home? You know, every two weeks when you get a paycheck, let's say it's five thousand dollars. Okay, that's ten thousand dollars a month. Okay, great. Then that's what we need to do. Why? Because as long as you're not going into debt, you're living on ten thousand dollars a month right now. Yeah. So can we recreate that between your pension, your social security, and your portfolio? And if so, that's the real number. It seems like many people say, "Hey, early in retirement, you're probably spending more than you know than the initial income, right?" So if it was ten thousand dollars a month that you were doing in the working years, when you first get to retirement, you may spend more than that because you're active and doing more, and so on and so forth. Uh, and then maybe it ebbs back a little bit along the way. So I think again, is it's just good for a quick baseline, but it's probably got to be drilled down. No, agreed, absolutely. You know, another thing that comes in that since we're on the kind of the income side of it is. You know, are there any things that are going to go away in retirement or get picked up? So as an example, mm-hmm. are, you know, is, uh, are you retiring after the mortgage is paid off? So now there's a couple grand a month you don't need. That's $24,000 a year that isn't going to be going to the bank anymore True. because now it's paid off. Or let's say because you're retiring, I was just at a at the Windy City Smoke Fest, you know, uh, over the weekend, <laughs> a country, you know, country music thing down by the United Center. And we met with a guy that's retiring. He's moving up to the Grand Geneva, which is up in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, just over the border here. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm retiring. I'm 58. And he's like, guess what? The the country club membership for where they're buying their new home is 10 grand up front and 6,500 a year. Well, the 10 grand's not an issue, but now we, we've got to build in $6,500 oh, yeah. uh, of additional you know, um, costs of golf costs that he didn't have when he was working. So it's just those things, you know, what other expenses are you picking up and what are you getting? What are you getting away from? Okay. All right. Well, very good. That's the rule of 75 or 75% rule, I suppose. Uh, the rule of 72, what is this one? Yeah. Rule 72 is basically just telling you uh, how long is it going to take your money to double? If you say, okay, let's say, and I'm just going to keep the math simple here, and I'll, and I'll flip it both ways here. Let's say we say with your portfolio, we can average around a little over 7% uh, over the you know next X amount of time frame. That means that you take 72 divided by the 7%. It's going to take you about 10 years to double your money. Or let's say you think you're going to get you know, 10% returns, you know, good luck with that. But let's say you're going to average 10% returns, then it's going to take you seven years to double your money. So while you're working, it's a, it's a good rule because really you want to find out and say, okay, you know, on the one end of it, if, if I'm here today, I'm 55 and I got a million dollars, if I average 7% a year, then when I'm 65, if I average 7%, I should have $2 million. So once again, especially for our people that are five or 10 years away from retirement, that's a good number to say, okay, if we, given what we've already saved, what's the likelihood we'll, you know, be able to get to a certain number. So we're kind of extrapolating future returns. Sometimes I call that fact based on fiction. Uh, but, you know, it's it's also a nice starting point to say, okay, it's X amount of dollars today. What do we think using a low conservative number? What do we think it'll be worth in five years, 10 years? Okay. So this is really math versus per se a rule of thumb. No, absolutely. Yeah, because okay. big thing. So, you know, we, we work, we have very few clients in their 30s and 40s. You know, most of them are professionals or business owners. Right. But we've, we've got a client that's 40 years old and they've already saved $800,000. Wow. And, and independent of their house and that, I mean, they're just amazing savers. You know, uh, everything's good. They got the kids' college money already set aside. So our rule is 72. And of course, we're being more aggressive with them. Is if we can average 8 to 10%, you know, given their longer time frame. Then you know you're you're 42 at 50. You know at 52 that should wind up being a million six. At 62 that should be three point you know 3.2 3.4 million. So you know and that's just using eight to 10 percent returns. So that allows them to say, well, where should new dollars be put? 
you know, rather than say, okay, let's head down, keep save, 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 at some point, extrapolating those numbers out, allow them to say, maybe we should redirect some of those other savings to something else other than just retirement. Gotcha. Okay. So that's the rule of 72. Very cool. Very interesting stuff here today on the podcast. I got a couple more here Mike will do before we wrap up. The rule of five. What's this one? Yeah, rule of five is, and you know, we're kind of seeing it a little bit this year as we bounce in and out of a bear market on the S and P five hundred, and you know, Nasdaq still in a bear market. Is on average about every five years, you should expect a bear market. You know, now everybody's going to be like, whoa, 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 no, Mike. You know, is you know, we haven't really had that many bear markets. So if you take away, you know, twenty twenty two here, and then even that kind of that flash crash that we had with COVID in March twenty twenty, right? Really, from two thousand nine to two thousand twenty. We didn't have a bear market. And that kind of lulled everybody into this false sense of security that by the dip, market only goes up. Then that's where everybody, as we mentioned earlier, just taking too much risk because, you know, there's this recency bias where they've kind of forgotten that markets go in both directions. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why this year's been a little bit of a wake up call as both bonds and stocks are down. So the rule of five is sitting here to say, you know, we're pro stock market on everything we do is we'll sit back and say, okay, in any five year period, we're probably going to have four up years and one down year. You know, and that down year is going to be an ugly one, you know, probably a bear market, probably 20, 30 percent plus. So how do we participate and position you to take advantage of those four up years, but not get your face ripped off in that one bad year <laughs> where we're giving up two or three years of returns? And now we got to wait another two or three years just to get back to where we were. Yeah. So the rule of five just puts in perspective that markets go in both directions, because if you know that now, all of a sudden you're saying, OK, I'm willing to give up some of the upside in exchange for limiting the downside because my average return is going to be a little bit more consistent. Yeah. And nobody wants their face ripped off. So <laughs> Absolutely. That, exactly. Uh, rule of 10, Mike, what's that? Yeah. Rule, rule of 10. And I, I kind of disagree with it a little bit, but I'll tell you about it. the rule of 10 is, you know, you should have 10 times your salary saved by the time you're 67. And okay. I use 67 because for if you're born 1960 or later, then that's your full retirement age for Social Security. Uh, once again, it doesn't mean that's when you're retiring. Sure. You might retire at 57 or 77. Who knows? But the rule of 10 says, you know, 10 times your salary. Yeah, you could kind of reverse engineer the math and say, okay, I need X amount of dollars based on this. You know, it's trying to kind of, once again, just do a rule of thumb. What it really comes about and, and is how much income do you need in retirement? That's really what it's all going to truly come down to is how much income do you need in retirement? Can you get it from interest and dividends rather than crossing your fingers and toes and hoping the market only goes up? And then that's the only way your retirement works. So I agree, more saved. If you can save 10 times your, your income, great. If you can save 100 times your income, even better. <laughs> but more importantly, just have an income plan in place on knowing where your income's coming from in light of all your other expenses and the kind of things we talked about earlier. So is that stating like 10 times at any given time? Because obviously our income hopefully is going up through our working career and our working life, right? So uh, at any time you're saving, trying is 10 times is the goal? So like Yes, see, that's the problem with rules of thumb. They don't let you know that. So yeah, realistically okay. what it is, it's it's 10 times your current level of income. So if yeah. you make $100,000, sure. you need a million dollars saved. Uh, you know, and then once again, kind of behind the scenes, they're saying, OK, well, if you make that kind of money, then your Social Security benefits going to be this. And if you can take, you know, four percent or something off your portfolio, then that that, you know, that with your Social Security. Now you should be comparable income to what you were making prior. Gotcha. They work together. And you mentioned the last one, actually, in that little statement there. So the four percent rule, uh, obviously, another one that many people are aware of. Uh, it, does it work? You know, is is it a good rule, or is it just quick back of the napkin? You're out to dinner with the the spouse, and it's like, hey, we got a million bucks, four percent, just like you just mentioned, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, it, our, our practice is very unique when it comes to the 4% rule. And this is nationally unique, and it's why we get a lot of clients, not only because we have a tax practice and estate planning and everything else in-house from a wealth management end, but also our version of the 4% rule is you can take 4%, even 5% out of your portfolio for income, you know, interest and dividends, but it's got to come from interest and dividends. It can't f- come from hoping that the market goes up. So as an example, in our portfolio, if you had a million dollars with us on January 1st, and you were taking out $40,000 of supplemental income, so just interest and dividends, then what that means is that you're getting a 4% cash flow off your stocks and bonds and real estate and the the overall portfolio that we have. Why? Because now we're not touching any of the million dollars. We're just taking cash flow off the million dollars. So if that million dollars happened to be down 10% right now, so now it's down to 900,000 just because the markets are down, you're still getting the same $40,000 of cash flow because you own the same portfolio. And once that clicks with people, they're like, oh, so I don't have to worry about monthly ups and downs anymore because my goal is income off the portfolio. And when you're sending me income every month, it's in the form of interest and dividends. It's going to renew itself every year. Well, guess what? That's cash flow. That's treating your portfolio almost like it's a rental property where you don't care about the value of the real estate, right? It's just kicking you out cash flow on a monthly basis and you're never touching the principal. Now, that principal will go up over time because the market, four out of five years, like we talked, is, is probably going to be up. So you're going to get capital appreciation. You're going to get rising income. But when you go through bouts of the market like we are right now, you don't have to sweat it that the, the portfolio is down 5, 10, or even 15% in value because the cash flow was established with what you originally bought. Now, take that to Wall Street's 4% rule. Wall Street's 4% rule came out by a guy named Bill Berger and ran in the big 90s. He was a financial advisor. His clients were getting older. He said, okay, how much income can I safely take out for our clients? So he looked back at history, you know, pre for, throughout the 90s, you know, the go-go 90 years of all the, the tech boom and all that. And then a little bit of history behind that and said, okay, over any 30-year period, you know, with where interest rates have typically been and where the stock market has returned, you could basically with a 60-40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds portfolio, you could take out 4% and not run out of money. This doesn't mean not spend principal. Just means you might have a nickel left. You might have a dollar left. You might have 100000 left. Who knows how much you'll have left, but you won't run out of money. Well, the problem with that was think about in the mid-90s when he came up with that. Interest rates on a 10-year treasury were about 7%. The market was returning double-digit returns for nearly the entire decade. So, of course, you could take out 4% relatively safely because your fixed income, which is 40% of the portfolio, was kicking in 7% income. That is not the interest rate environment we live in. That is not the market environment that we live in. So, you know, Wall Street's version of a 4% rule is far different than ours. Ours is position yourself in stocks and bonds and real estate and all these other kind of bond, bond-like instruments and equity instruments that are going to give you that four or five, whatever your cash flow needs are going to come out of interest and dividends and then let time take care of the growth component. Yeah. And I think you hear the 4% rule, Mike, and you hear people say, well, nowadays it's currently, it's more like 2.9 or 3 or 3.1. So it seems as though, but everybody knows the 4% rule, right? And again, it's something quick that you can kind of refer to. And maybe that's the case a lot of times with rule of thumb is it's just a quick reference. But at the end of the day, as we mentioned, you got to dive in with your advisor and, and talk about how it's going to affect your specific situation. And as always, if you need some help, if you're not already working with Mike, but you're checking out the podcast, Stop by the website, crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources there. As he mentioned, uh, they're a one-stop shop. They have that CPA, enrolled agent, paralegal, all on staff. So if you got some questions, reach out to them. Again, crystallaketax.com. 
com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can find all that information there as well. And you can drop an email if you'd like. And that's what we're going to do to wrap up the show this week. As usual, Mike, we've got Doris uh, sent one in. and She's in the Barrington area. And she says, I'm very, very conservative investor. And I have about 80% of my 401k in a money market fund. I know that's probably not the best idea, but I'm just afraid of making the wrong choice at the wrong time if I take too much risk. So how badly am I truly hurting myself with this approach, Mike? Yeah, Doris, you're a genius in 2022. <laughs> now, now, if you've been this way for 10 years, then yeah, you left a lot of money on the table. So, so Doris, the, the real answer to your question is, uh, one, the best portfolio for you is the one that you'll stick with. Right now, if that happens to be 80% cash and 20%, you know, equities or bonds or something like that, okay, so be it. Now, I would tend to think, you know, even cash, even with the Fed raising interest rates, still pays you less than 1%. So there's better things that you'd be doing out there, even safe things. I mean, there's insured things right now that go out like three to five years that, you know, are guarantee your principal safe that are paying you four, four and a half percent right now. You know, and that's without any principal risk. That's just because the Fed's raised rates. So insurance companies have raised rates on these kind of things. So, you know, definitely will outpace even the bank or the money market in your 401k. But Doris, the, the real answer to your question is, you know, just have a, get your plan together. You know, so whether it's through us as a fiduciary financial planner or whomever you, you may be working with, sit down with somebody and have them devise a plan for you. And when I say a plan, it's not an investment plan. Most people have an investment plan. Investment plan is like, hey, I got stocks, bonds, I got money market, I got whatever, right? But that's not having a plan. A plan is saying, okay, Doris, how much income do you need off this portfolio? Because you know you're not going to get anything off of that money market aspect of it, right? Less than 1%. So do you need 3 4 5% income off of this portfolio when you officially do retire? And how much growth do you need, right? We want to have a rising income over that time frame. Uh, is this money being managed for you? Or are you like, nope, I'm fine. This is going to go to my kids, my grandkids, or the church or something down the road so I can be more aggressive with it. doesn't sound to be the case, but for some clients it is. But the point of the plan is you got an income plan, then you talk about your investments. Then you say, could I be doing things more tax efficiently? You know, part of that money sitting in money market, maybe you should redirect some of it towards long-term care coverage if you don't have that. You know, if that's a consideration, you sound pretty conservative. And then even your estate plan is your estate plan in order. When you have a plan that covers all five of those things, now you actually have a true financial plan. So now you're not asking, should I have 80% of my money in the money market? Because the plan will dictate how you should be invested. And it may have a large cash position because you're so conservative. There's nothing wrong with that, Doris. You, once again, the best plan for you is the one that you're going to stick with. But instead of worrying about, you know, is it the right time? You know, am I making the wrong choices? Instead, just sit down, truly put together a real financial plan and let the plan dictate the investment choices that you make. And, and Doris, I, I want to make an offer here. And I didn't mention this to Mark earlier. Uh, but so we just actually, here in August, we launched our second book, just now available on Amazon. But I'd like to get you out a free copy. And also any, any of our podcast listeners, uh, you know, be happy. Just shoot us an email, you know, go to the website, request it at crystallaketax.com or give the office a call. Uh, we just pushed, published our second book in five years. It's called The Retirement Success Blueprint. So same name as our radio show, same name as the podcast. And what it does is it talks about the, the five areas of financial planning that we just covered. Because what it's going to do, whether we ever work together or not, it's going to kind of give you a really good grouping of what kind of things should I look at, not just for investments, but for taxes, for healthcare, for your estate, for your income purposes. 
So uh, it's called the Retirement Success Blueprint. You can go on Amazon and pay 12 bucks for it, or we'd be happy to even cover the postage for you and just send you out a free copy. Just ask for it, Retirement Success Blueprint. And once again, we'll, we'll offer that to uh, any of the listeners on the show as well. That's awesome. So the Retirement Success Blueprint, the new book from Michael Stewart there, stop by the website and request a copy, crystallaketax.com. Drop them an email there at crystallaketax.com, or I can give you the number also, 815-526-3092. Great question, Doris. Thank Thanks so much, and hopefully that'll help you out and all the other listeners as well who'd like to take advantage of that and pick up a copy. Mike, thanks, my friend, for hanging out and explaining some rules of thumb, and I'll catch you in a couple of weeks. All right. Take care of yourself, Mark. We always appreciate your time right here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart, founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.